Welcome, Wilco, to the MotoGP podcast. Thank you. In fact, I should say to everyone who's listening, our guest this week is Wilco Zielenberg, the Crypto Data RNF MotoGP team manager and home hero. Do you still consider yourself such when we come to Assen or? Well, hero not. Uh, I, I mean, you're always a hero. Yeah. It's the home hero that yeah, I'm. Well, I don't know. <laughs> when you love bikes and you have seen me racing, of course, um, yeah, it's, it's part of the show. We want to win and we, we are ambitious. And uh, if you have that in you, you yeah, become on a platform that yeah, people treat you as a hero. But uh, I don't feel that. And now how do they treat you? Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think the same way because, uh, you know, they, they respect, uh, I think, the, yeah, the career I had and, and the contuition uh, in, in, as a team manager. And uh, we're trying to have these young boys uh, fast around the racetrack. Well, exactly. That is one of our questions that we have from our fan questions this week. You got a few. One of them was from Instagram, from Tony.Gorillas. Sorry, Tony, if I've pronounced that very wrong. How did you enter into MotoGP? How did you discover your passion for motors? So you were a rider first, of course. So how did you start that? I started very, very young. So I was four years old. My brother was already doing motocross, and my dad made a little small bike for me like 50 years ago, 52 years ago. 52 years ago? Yes. And I started riding those bikes and I loved uh, from the first moment onwards how to control the bike, especially on balance and, and having yeah, no, the, the, the passion of acceleration and stopping. And yeah, that's just step by step. How and your, your passion then from riding the bike, you still have a lot of passion, obviously, for the sport being here. Is it different when you've obviously had that career, plenty of success as a rider, now you're in the paddock but not racing? How do you make that change, first of all, and realize, like, okay, it's someone else going out on the bike now? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, uh, it's a fact that you get older and you, uh, when you're young, you are very ambitious and you want to ch challenge yourself and show the whole world that you're able and capable to race bikes and to win races and to lose races. But still, you are a sportsman. And, but as soon as you stop, you, you realize yourself, I had enough. I show the whole world that I'm capable to ride bikes. But then, yeah, it's the next step to, to teach those boys um, how to ride those big bikes. And that's also a big challenge. Well, it is a big challenge, but it's another one where you've had quite a lot of success. Can you let anyone who doesn't know, can you give us a quick rundown of your team managing career or your career off the bike? Because you've got some big highlights there. Yes, well, we started off uh, when I stopped myself uh, in my career. I, uh, I was a technical coordinator for Yamaha Motor Europe for seven years. I learned a lot because I, I was racing myself uh, for 30 years. And then uh, I needed to learn how to work with the computer, the laptop, uh, whatever, Excel, Word, PowerPoint, <laughs> everything. And after that, I um, get proposed this uh, team manager role for the Supersports. Uh, by Yamamoto Motor Europe and uh, we become world champion with Carl in uh, 2009. So I did two, three years World Supersport and then I was offered uh, 2010 as a team manager in the factory team with Jorge. Jorge Lorenzo became world champion in the first year I was his team manager. So I'm very you, proud I was going to say, is, are you claiming that as your own success there? No, <laughs> no, not at all. Because Jorge was very fast. In a great way. In a yeah, great in way. a great way. Of course, you were part of his career and uh, we win three titles uh, with each other but of course it was a team uh, game you know so for Jorge it was not how 
to get him faster, but more how you're able to get the most points in the season. Because some tracks he was completely lost, but also many tracks he was the fastest already around and need to stay in the saddle. So, uh, yeah, this is also a trick what you need to learn those boys so when they're fast. They're all, there's always a weak point in the, in the talent and you need to work on that. Well, yeah, I mean, it is crazy, isn't it, how, especially someone like Lorenzo, when we look to that little era of Lorenzo versus Marquez as well, each one had their real strong points and each one had those where you knew maybe the other could beat them. But from a team managing point of view, though, with a huge character like Jorge Lorenzo, so much pressure, always fighting for the title at a very, what's the word? Not a controversial time, but a time when there were so many storylines, battles, that rivalry. How was that inside the box from your point of view? Yeah, it was fantastic. If you look back, of course, uh, the fights with Vala and, and uh, you know, they're real competitors and they tried everything uh, in, the, in the mental side as well to, to beat each other, you know, to, to make each other, uh, yeah, wonkle, how do you say, uh, <laughs> unstable, you know, so to, yeah, to have their point and to win that weekend. And, uh, but they also had a lot of respect for each other and uh, because even on track, the fights were hard, but they always gave space to, you know, to be able to make the corner. Do you and think Jorge would agree with that? Always? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he did. Because I love the, that kind of era when everyone had their really set opinion. Where there's like, Jorge, like, this is not how you race. Casey Stoner very vocally, yeah. this is not how you race. And then Valentina, like, I'll race how I like. Yeah. Um, no, but they, <laughs> clearly, Vala, at a certain point, struggled with the speed he had compared to those young boys. But his, his strong point was to block them and, and, and to, to pass them because he is the best pass. Uh, yeah, <laughs> overtaking rider in the world and then to slow the other one down is also a talent you know and, and uh, you need to respect that because finally it's a race and uh, only uh, yeah the winner is the one who uh, finishes there's uh, a first. reason we don't do time trials as well right it's about racing exactly. each other on the track yes exactly so what are the things then now we'll talk more about Yamaha more recent successes the switch to Aprilia Raul Miguel all of that but what are the biggest things you think you learned then that you're using now every day in this season where we've got the sprint, we've got so much new, everything is so close, we've got record-breaking finishes, all of them in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's quite um, sen uh, how do you say, sensitive the last seven, eight races because we had so many uh, yeah, crashes. And, you guys especially. And yeah. injuries, yeah, but not only us. You know, if you only see Mark last weekend was five uh, crashes. And uh, we had 18 crashes uh, until now with Raul and Miguel. That's much more than uh, we had in the beginning. Even with that and last year, we crashed a lot. But uh, we had 18 already with two riders that normally don't crash so much. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I use my uh, how you say experience to explain, and I try to explain that the way we made the change as a, in the platform as a, as a, as a, with the sprint race and especially with the Friday, you know, that they don't have the chance anymore to relax Friday morning, practice one, practice two, they, they need to slow it down to go faster because the bikes at the moment are not, not ready on the Saturday to race and on the Sunday to race because there's no time to make them ready. The riders not and the bikes not and that's uh, my so point of view take at the there from Wilco. Okay. Well, like you said, you've had a lot of experience then in MotoGP, especially since that era. You've had then the kind of before the arrival of Aprilia, 
plenty of success then. What was that like in an independent team? Bit of a different environment, also a bit of an awkward one, quite often being a little bit faster than the factory team. Yeah. Um, what is that like as well in terms of the politics of working with a manufacturer in that position? Yeah, that was actually a little bit on my wish list, so, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I, I uh, of course, uh, we win a lot, <coughs> especially with Jorge, but I also was two years with Maverick. So in 19, uh, I decided to go to a satellite team with Yamahas and with two young satellite riders. And um, because I, I knew that, uh, you know, having the pressure from a factory team is not always uh, ideal. And uh, I knew if we're going to have at least a, a good bike, uh, we could do uh, good things. And I think that was very... Uh, it didn't go badly. No, exactly. <laughs> so uh, we surprised basically the world. And uh, yeah, it's, it's nice to see that more satellite teams are winning at the moment. And uh, yeah, I would love to come back to that as well <laughs> win again ourselves as well well yeah this is what i was gonna say obviously this is like a new era now with aprilia the rnf team of change bike i don't know where to start there's so mm -hmm. much to talk to you about yeah. i think the first one i'm going to go technical what's the difference working with inline four versus v4 very different characteristics very different way to go fast yeah also the riders adapting to that some of them how's that yeah, that, that especially uh, technically wise, uh, I've seen, of course, solutions what uh, <coughs> manufacturers were struggling with, especially, um, yeah, with the V-bike, clearly there is uh, less uh, rotating, rotating mass, so the bike stops uh, quicker and easier. Um, saying that also uh, there is uh, easier to break the traction so uh, because uh, the, the, the crank mass is, is lighter so this is so quite... So you've gone immediately very technical here, thank you. Yeah, but I think for the <laughs> boys that are listening... Hey, and the girls, and the <laughs> yeah, girls. I know, I know. <laughs> for the boys that are listening and knowing how uh, an engine works, so uh, that is a big benefit. Uh, but also saying that, um, you know, we also have our, our struggles, you know, so clearly the 2022 bike we are quite happy with. Of course, we have been unlucky so far with uh, Miguel and Raul in these first seven races, uh, having this arm uh, problem with uh, Raul and uh, Miguel having the crashes, basically. The worst yeah. luck I think anyone's had for quite some time, because yes. he's always been kind of the, the bowling pin. And not really yeah, much fault of his own at know, all. After seven races, you cannot only talk about luck or not. You know, he has been twice unlucky, uh, especially the first one, Portimao. I think he was on his best move, and, and we were very happy to see his pace. Yeah, he was so quick, eh? Yeah, he was so yeah. quick. So, very happy with the performance. But of course, after that, uh, he struggled to do the same. Uh, even coming back in Austin, finishing fifth was, was uh, good to see. But of course, in Jerez, uh, <coughs> when he uh, get taken out uh, by Fabio, yeah, he should not have been there in the first case. You know, he had a bad start. His position on the grid was better. So, you know, first of all, you need to have a good start in this class at the moment to, to perform well. And if you are uh, 10th or 11th or 12th in the second corner, you know you're in trouble. Well, a fair assessment there. So we have another fan question from the Twitter. Is that Yash Amin 19 wanted to ask you how the team has adapted to the Aprilia from the Yamaha? Obviously, like we said, it's a big difference in the engine, but also a completely new machine for you guys after you'd had so much success before. Talk us through that. Is it yeah. kind of, what kind of challenge is it like? Obviously, when you all know what you're doing, it's a yeah. very high level. Yes. <laughs> what are the real challenges there? Um, yeah, the real, the real challenge is to uh, learn the bike as 
fast as possible how to build it up and take it down so the guys so like the practical side of it almost. exactly exactly so especially for the mechanics um, to, to uh, when we had our Valencia test uh, of course the bikes were arriving and they were complete so the first thing they needed to learn take how to take apart. it down <laughs> exactly and how to build up again how goes the engine in how goes it out because the time in between the practices is very short and you don't have time to learn that this during uh, the season so especially in the winter time and I would say uh, it took uh, a complete week to build the bikes up and down for a couple of times and then already in Sepang it was a huge difference because they knew all the parts where to find and uh, that you know so for these boys that are on bikes for their whole life nearly it, it took a week to understand uh, all the small things. That's pretty crazy looking from the outside in just thinking about just learning it immediately from that but I guess I mean there's plenty of similarities as well as differences. Yes, that's true. Um, but so what in terms of the Aprilia then, we've got another fan question on Twitter from Eggy74. Great username. Um, what is the <laughs> Eggy, yeah. What is the biggest strong point of the Aprilia? Um, There's a few. I think used. the stability. The stability? Yes, the stability and the braking performance uh, is the only one that is leaking. So the stability is a good point, but the, st the, the, the stopping performance, in, in uh, I think the only one uh, who has that uh, under control at the moment in the best way is, uh, is Ducati. And uh, we need to improve that area. But uh, for me, the stability, change direction, how the bike is planted, and uh, mm -hmm. is, is uh, very important. So, what do you make of obviously Aprilia? We've seen KTM join the Premier class later as well. Aprilia, they were not struggling, but obviously the project needed some time to mm -hmm. get to where it is now. It's pretty incredible what they've achieved now. They've won a race, they've podiums yes. consistently at the front. What do you make of that when you look at the bike now and what they must have been doing behind the scenes to get it to what it is? Because it's very impressive. It's yes. also a shorter window than Ducati yes. had before they... No, kind of uh, clearly, uh, yeah, a big chapeau to them because uh, in the winter time, clearly, uh, they were also uh, lost, you know? So we have seen them around the racetrack in Sepang and it didn't look really good. Only um, it turned around, uh, in Portimao. I you mean this say. year? Yeah, so this year, uh, Sepang, the bike was not fantastic. It's but funny uh, when you say that, because everyone's like, oh, Aprilia are closest to Ducati, KTM seem like yeah, we they're not going to be KTM, anywhere. KTM, really, really. Yeah, and now yeah. it's... It seems yes, like... Yes, but anyway, you know, the, the Ducatis are eight good Ducatis. You know, for KTM, we're talking about two, more or less. So uh, so that makes a huge difference because all those eight boys are on the Ducatis. They are in front of everybody constantly. So that is the, the biggest problem. And uh, Jack and uh, Brett are also doing a fantastic job, of course. They also have the experience, but also clearly they, they made a big step uh, at a certain point. And it's also nice to see that if you fix small problems in areas where it need to be fixed you suddenly are competitive yeah. because they did not change the whole bike you know it was not just uh, an aerodynamic package or, or a setting or uh, you know they changed yeah. clearly something that the tire and the bike was uh, behaving very well and also in all conditions yeah that seems quite consistently yes. that step forward yeah. but sorry i didn't mean to derail what you were saying in sepang bit lost portamount was fixed yeah please <laughs> Take it away. <laughs> Tell us yeah, more. but th that's difficult to give an answer to that because clearly it's a it's a technical change they made, and I heard stories which I <coughs> not sure if they are true. You're very welcome to tell us. 
well, I'm not sure if I should <laughs> because I also wake up others, you know, with the ideas and uh, coming yeah. up. So uh, <laughs> we are into it and uh, we are also uh, not sleeping. And of course, we want to improve ourselves and not the rest of the world. So, well, yes. <laughs> so in terms of your riders then, there is a bit of a difference between the two factory Aprilias with Alicia Maverick and then Miguel and Raul. But Miguel, obviously, we said about bad luck. But he's had some good pace. He's now yeah. seems like he's going to have to deal with that shoulder for a little bit. Yeah. But what do you make of him now working with him and kind of him as a rider? Yeah, he's um, clearly on the pace. I think one of the best boys in his qualifying. I think he can improve and he will improve if he's fit. Because uh, at the moment, the struggle is if you don't qualify in the front, you also uh, struggle in the race because finally, uh, yeah, the differences in, in lap time is one tenth or two tenths. You know, even uh, in Saxony, <coughs> it was uh, yeah tighter than anywhere else. So it's, it's hard to believe you can do what Brad did one race in the sprint race. You know, so he was lucky to go through and he did a great yeah, job. 15th. <laughs> but you will not see that uh, many times anymore. So you have to qualify in the first or second row, and then you are able to finish on the podium. And I think he he, he can but uh, everything needs to get together. Well, we have seen him obviously win and in a few different ways before. Yeah. So are you confident you can probably see that more with Aprilia when he's... Yes, but he needs to be fit and he's not because, uh, yeah. you know, Saxaring, he did half race and then the shoulder kind of locked and he was uh, yeah, compromised to, to finish the race in the, what he could do. He was still top Aprilia though. Yes, it's true, but the rest was struggling, struggling <laughs> even more than him. So, they were. Uh, yeah, but what do you make of that? Obviously, like we said, the 23 bike's not exactly the same. Do you think, are you confident Alation Maverick can kind of come back? Yeah, they have to. They finished third and fourth here. They did a fantastic weekend last year. And Saxarin clearly, uh, they struggled. Uh, Maverick uh, had a DNF because something broke down. And uh, Alesh chose uh, the soft rear tire, which wasn't the right decision. It seemed back. all right for a while. And then the last two laps, it seemed like the worst decision ever made. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, uh, anyway, you know, if you uh, clearly said I wanted to perform and do better than 9, 10 or 11, and that's why they choose for the soft option. But uh, even in the, in the concept we have now, it's impossible to know if the yeah. soft tire is correct or not because they are just throwing soft tires and they do three, four laps on it and that's it. Yeah, it's, it's that extra challenge, isn't it, as well? Especially with the sprint, obviously, you can get more data in a way, but there's so much that's different about the sprint compared yes. to the Grand Prix race as well. Yeah. But, okay, Raul then, it's an interesting one. After that wonder kid year in Moto2, yeah. obviously a bit of a tougher rookie season. Pre-season, seemed like he'd taken a kind of real step, but yeah. then obviously that arm problem, everything else. Yeah. How is he, what do you make of him? And also like, I don't know, like not how is he mentally, like I want a mental health assessment, mm -hmm. but it must have been a bit of a tough run for him as well yes, to keep all. kind of believing in that. and. Yeah, you're right. So uh, I think he, he opened the eyes as well a bit. Of course, he struggled last year with, with all the decisions were kind of made for him. But uh, we offered him this, uh, uh, this ride. And he also realized that uh, he, he needs to uh, work in areas where the rest is also working hard. And uh, he had the talent and he has the talent. But if you have a small problem in his class, especially if it's the arm or whatever, uh, you struggle and you cannot perform and show what you're capable to do. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, you get this 
uh, at the moment with this category, you know, Moto3 and Moto2 are nice and if you're very strong there you can beat all the others it doesn't mean in MotoGP you will be the king you know so this is this is obvious this class is very special MotoGP and uh, you need to push all the time and learn every race weekend to to know what is going on with your bike uh, to be better in the next race because uh, you see with uh, Bezeki and Peko they also took two three years to to be where they are yeah. now and uh, it takes a bit of time and, and it's not easy to get that time and uh, but slowly and step by step sometimes to make a step back go slower you will go faster <laughs> and i think this in is in what way explain that for us no, especially these bikes are so strong and this bike has so much uh, stopping performance if you override the bikes it, they kick you you know so you need to go fast but don't override them and these young boys have been learning on those smaller bikes to override them because they go faster and they don't get kickbacks. But with these MotoGP bikes, the, there is so yeah, much force. Respect it. Yes, <laughs> and then you get uh, slap around the ears for many times. And, and if you hit the head a couple of times too much, then it's also not good for the confidence. And then you go only slower instead of faster. Yeah, that's a good point. Just that confidence in general, I think, can make a big difference, can't yes, it? Yes, yes, correct. So we've got another fun, controversial question for you from, not sure about this, Ufia Ifim, could be a name or it could be letters, on Instagram. Uh, what is your opinion about MotoGP dominated by Ducati? I want to add in that Davide Tardozzi last year on the podcast told us, well, it's not our fault. We'll rent them to whoever wants them. <laughs> uh, what do you make of yes. that? Oh, he's right. I think uh, we should not uh, forget that they get also this opportunity because uh, also Dorna realized that with only Honda and Yamaha with two riders with this category what we had in 13, 14 and 15, uh, it also did not work out. So now the class is very competitive, but of course uh, at that point when Honda and Yamaha was uh, the main uh, challengers, uh, we, we, we reduced many things, you know, so we went from uh, 20 liters to 22 liters. We went to unified electronics. We all did that to help them coming on board because otherwise they would have still struggled. So we should not forget that. But anyway, they took all these benefits into their uh, comfort zone and they make uh, yeah, very tactical, good uh, decisions. It is. And obviously with Aprilia, what do you... Yeah, who do, who do you think can find that extra bit to get amongst those Ducatis other than Jack last weekend in that red party, the lone ranger in orange? Do you think Aprilia can find that step that they seem to have in pre-season? They seem very, very close. Yeah, of course, I hope we can because uh, last year... I'm asking more because it's also like the two established V4, V4s yes. with none of the KTM, however many two degrees of angle is different. No. <laughs> but yeah. No, so, you know, I think uh, race by race it will be a little bit different, but um, of course it worries me that uh, in Saxaring, which is a track what normally Ducati doesn't really like, it's uh, the first nine are Ducatis, or actually uh, only Jack was of course in the middle. But uh, saying that, um, if there is a strange weekend, also they need the time to set up the bikes. You also clearly see that on a Friday morning, not always is uh, really lined up. And uh, if the weather circumstances here in Holland are not always uh, very stable, <laughs> Don't know what you, you mean. can end up in uh, having a wet race. And Miguel is very good in the red. 
He is indeed, yes. I'm sure he seems to get a little bit angry when we say that. It's like, no, 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 it doesn't mean you're better in the wet than the dry. <laughs> it's yes. just an extra feather for your cat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, well, Wilco, we'll leave you there and let you get on with your wonderful, glamorous Media Thursday. Ooh. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, yeah, always a pleasure. Hope everyone enjoyed getting a little more Aprilia insight there. Didn't push you too hard, no, hopefully. A little bit, but it's but okay. Thanks very much and see you again soon. You're welcome. And thanks everyone for listening or watching.